Welcome everybody to Seeking God's Truth, where we take everyday teachings of the Bible and apply it to modern day science and psychology. I am your host, Carlos Hernandez. Welcome back everybody as we finish our series on the Ten Commandments. Throughout the series, we've been focusing on Matthew 22, verse 37 through 39. As we have learned that, when Jesus asked us to love the Lord with all of our mind, all of our heart, and all of our soul, that we would honor God, and by honoring God, we would follow the first four commandments. In doing so, we would put no gods before God. We would not create any idols and worship them. We would not misuse the Lord's name in any way. And we would remember the Sabbath every week. Jesus said in the second part of the greatest commandments, We should love our neighbors as ourselves. If we love others as ourselves, we would not hurt each other. So far we know that honoring your mother and father is important because it's the foundation of any society. We would not murder ourselves, so why would we murder another person? And committing adultery not only destroys our credibility, but ruins a person mentally and spiritually. Today we're going to look at the final three commandments. With the changing of today's moral compass, because of the pandemic, people are finding things more acceptable than before. Just like some people are finding it more acceptable to steal when someone's hungry. I can understand that someone's hungry, but the sin is a sin. And the law is the law. The number of people shoplifting has doubled since the start of the pandemic. Some of this is due to the millions that are suffering from hunger. Some of it's to do with the riots that have started because of those that believe that they suffer from police brutality or police injustice. During the riots of the George Floyd protest caused $2 billion worth of damage and deaths. The reason for all these deaths is because people are hungry or they lose their individuality because of they're inside a crowd or they just don't care. Just because we do not have, we should not take. We are also seeing that... Others are finding that talking behind your back are acceptable also, and spreading gossip for personal gain. A number of people are in prison because of false witnesses or people lying to get another person in trouble. Yes, some of this is unintentionally, but some of it is intentionally. With the use of social media and text messaging, rumors and false stories can be spread across the large platform and rumors can be spread about a person quite fast without the use of any effort. Many people engage in rumor spreading without even knowing it. As we look at social media, we see things that people have. And instead of being appreciative of what we have, we decide that we want what they have. We see people driving expensive cars, buying expensive trips, and we're not appreciative of what God has blessed us with. Let's continue on our exploration of the Ten Commandments with the Eighth Commandment. The first mentioning of the Eighth Commandment is found on Exodus 20.15. As God tells Moses, you shall not steal. The wording behind this is pretty self-explanatory, but it is not inferred. And it's not a suggestion. Neither does it say you're allowed to steal if you're hungry or you're allowed to steal as somebody else is doing it. The verse is simple. You should not steal. Just in Minneapolis in 2021, on Black Friday, at least 30 people stole from Best Buy. People think that stealing from retails or grocery stores is a victimless crime, but for every $330 worth of product stolen, a retailer has to sell an increment of $300,000 goods to make up for their losses. 
This commandment is another commandment that is a foundation of society. It establishes rights to a person's property over another's. This is because God trusts us with certain possessions to certain people. Jesus said in Luke 6 verse 30, Give to everyone who asks you. If anyone takes what belongs to you, don't ask for it back. Though Jesus knew about the Ten Commandments, this verse is more about being humble. For we should be ready to give to anybody who's in need. For if someone still steals from us, we should still acknowledge it. We should not ask for it back because they obviously need it more than us. This is showing practice and sacrificial love because we know that God loves us and that he will take care of us. A person or the states are not allowed to take property that does not belong to them without due process from the law. In 1 Corinthians 6 verse 10, it says, Nor the thieves, nor the greedy, nor the drunkards, nor the slanderers, nor the swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. What this verse is basically telling us is who will inherit the kingdom of God, which is heaven. We also need to understand that we cannot steal from God. This demands that we honor God with our finances, so we are not guilty of robbing Him. God says in Malachi 3 verse 8 through 10, Will a mere mortal rob from God? Yet you rob from me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithe and authorings, you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storage house, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw up, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw up the floodgates of, of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. This verse comes off as saying that it must be crazy for anybody to think that it's not only appropriate but or acceptable to rob God by withholding tithings or offerings. This verse also tells us that if we withhold our offerings and tithings that God will not bless us. The word tithe simply means tenth. This means that we should offer God tenth of our earnings. Unlike the Old Testament, the New Testament does not teach us how to give tithings. This is because the New Testament assumes that we know how to give, and the tenth is only a starting point, not a goal. This is one of the few verses in the Bible that God actually allows us to doubt him in what he asks. And with this doubt, he actually asks us to test him in this doubt. God says if you test him and give tenth of what you have, that he will bless you ten times that much. I'm not going to lie and say that I'm a 10 percenter, but I try to give as much as I can, and God has blessed me for every amount of money that I have given. Tithing is not the only way we can rob God. We can rob God by not giving Him our obedience and our service, because God bought us and owns us. In 1 Peter 1, 18-19, it says, For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors, and it was not paid with mere gold or silver which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. This version was coming from the, the New Living Translation. What these two verses are telling us is that it was God who saved us from an empty life from our ancestors, valuable than our possessions. The price that was paid was the blood of Christ. But this does not mean that we should live a life of sin or disregard what the Lord has taught us. What it means is that we should obey God and do what is He instructed and cherish what He has sacrificed for us. One solution to stealing could be found in 
Ephesians 4.28 Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. The first part of this verse is common sense. If you are stealing, stop and redeem your sins. The next part is about talking about renewing someone and giving them something to do with their hands. Because idle hands are the devil's plaything. And giving someone something to do also provides them with a way to give back to others that are in need. Because everybody deserves a second chance, especially when they're giving back to other people. Now let's talk about the next commandment that a lot of people f fall into. Sometimes this is unintentional, sometimes it's intentional. Commandment number 9 can be found in Exodus 20, 16. And it says, You shall not give false witness against your neighbor. The primary sense of this commandment has to do with the legal system. For what we say is taken seriously and truth and error matters for us and others. 80% of the people in prison are in prison because of false testimony, both intentionally and unintentionally. 30% of the cases were exonerated after DNA evidence. Scientists have also known that eyewitness testimony is actually highly unreliable. Over 20 years ago, a woman was raped. In a police lineup, she identified the suspect as her rapist, along with an eyewitness testimony. After 16 years, the guy was wrongly convicted and was released after DNA evidence. Even after the woman was told that wasn't her rapist, the woman couldn't believe it. Unfortunately, with the eyewitness testimony being so low it still takes only 18% of juries to convict defendants regardless of what they say. In Ohio State University research, hundreds of cases were examined. 52% of errors resulted in eyewitness testimony. This is why it's always better to tell the truth, never say anything that we're not sure of, or try to pass judgment about somebody before we know. There's been a time or two I'm not honest about myself, but I've always been honest about other people. I try not to talk about them behind their backs, and I try not to get involved in other people's situations. For example, in Proverbs 25, 18 through 19, Like a club and a sword and a sharp arrow is a man who bears false witness against his neighbor. Like a broken tooth or a limp foot is reliance on the unfaithful in a time of trouble. Like many weapons, both in court and in public, bearing false witness may cause great damage. The person who bears false witness is also the than a faithful person in time of trouble. In one aspect you bring the pain, and in another aspect you are the pain. In Exodus 23.1, God goes in further explanation about spreading false witness. In Exodus 23, he says, Do not spread false reports. Do not help a guilty person by being a malice witness. What God was telling Moses is that a person should not spread false reports or rumors. Also that a person should not cooperate with evil people by lying to help them. This commandment can also be broken by slander, tale-bearing, creating false impressions, silence, questioning the motives behind someone's actions, and even flattery. Rumors, slander, false accusations, and even silence are commonplace in today's society. Social media has allowed people to be someone that they're not, someone that they want to be. Not only do they say things they wouldn't say in real life, they have an area where they can hide behind. Once rumors hit social media, they spread like wildfire in the communities that are their own and communities that are not. Being bullied 
15 years ago was way different than being bullied now. When a child was getting bullied, they usually had an escape, which was home. And if they didn't, the bullying didn't stop after a while, then they could usually leave that area and that would be done. There's also a lot of times where the bullies got bored and stopped bullying, or they just moved to another target. And there was no record of it. Once the bullying stopped, it was over. Cyberbullying is much worse. Children do not have an escape because not only do they have it at school, they also can get it on the internet. And the assault usually lasts a lot longer because not only do they get other people involved, they get more people involved, not only in the area, but also outside the area. This doesn't even give the child a chance to leave the area because if they move to another area, that person could be found in another area and, the, and then the assault can continue. And just like the internet, there's always going to be a permanent record. Because once everything is on the internet, it's always on the internet forever. What does the Bible not only tell us about sending false messages, but also receiving false messages? Proverbs 17.4 says, A wicked person listens to deceitful lips. A liar pays attention to a destructive tongue. When it comes to evil lips, evil people not only spread false messages, but they also receive them. This also applies to liars. Liars not only spread lies, they also listen to lies. They also love lies. We should be concerned if we enjoy spreading gossip or love hearing it. Now comes the question of what we should do if we see one of our church leaders or other leaders sinning. 1 Timothy 5 verse 19 through 20 says, Do not entertain an accusation against an elder unless it is brought by two or three witnesses. But those elders who are sinning are to reprove before everyone so that the others may take warning. Paul hit the balance between believing and acting on every bit of gossip that comes along about being a leader in the church and ignoring serious sins in leadership. There's nothing more damaging in a church when that some are treated as they can do no wrong, while others are treated as they can do no right. Also, for those who are in the business of correcting others, will always have some kind of enemies. Paul wasn't saying that you shouldn't bring their concerns to the church officials, but you should take great caution in intent to accuse against such people. If a church official is accused, another person needs to be with that person to accuse the church official. That doesn't mean that a person bears false witness is that person has to also see the sin that was accused. If an elderly does commit a sin, they must rebuke publicly to promote fear among the leaders and the entire church. In Leviticus 19.16, God reminds Moses again about, about rumor spreading. Leviticus 19.16 says, Do not go about spreading slander among your people. Do not do anything that endangers your neighbor's life. I am the Lord. God himself didn't want us to spread rumors about each other. Those that spread gossip take pleasure in it and take pleasure in listening about other people's downfalls. This command also applies to us not protecting those who are spreading slander and gossip and there was no excuse to do that. Now this brings us to the final commandment found in Exodus 20:17. You should not covet your neighbor's house. You should not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant, his ox or his donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. This commandment is different than the nine other commandments. For the first nine focuses on things we do, but the tenth focuses on the heart and its desires. In this context, 
Covenant means to pant after. This word is a neutral word. It is only when directed at objects that do not belong to you and that object belongs to another person that it becomes a word that is wrong. James 3.16 says, From where you have envy and selfish ambitions, there you will find disorder and every evil practice. This is the fruit of human earthly wisdom. The wisdom of the world, the flesh, and the devil may be able to accomplish things, but always with the ultimate fruit, confusion, and every Every evil thing. Now let's look at the word covenous means. It means the eyes look upon an object, the mind admires the object, the will goes over it, and the body moves in to possess it. Solomon tells us what happens when we fall into covenous behaviors in Proverbs 14.30. He wrote, A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. The heart is a metaphor for inner being. When we are sound on the inside, it brings life and health to our bodies. Envy presents a contrast to a sound body. Envy corrupts us from within and can poison many otherwise good things. Just because you have not taken the final steps does not mean you are not in the process of coveting right now. Covenants can be towards almost any object as long as it belongs to another person and you are desiring for it. God gives us what we need and in return we give him our tithings. James 4 2 through 3 you desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covenant, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and you fight. You do not have because you did not ask God. When you asked, you did not receive, because you asked with the wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. I think when I was a teenager, and a lot of people can relate that, we asked for a lot of things from God, and a lot of them are foolish. But looking back, we can say that we didn't give God anything back in return. We didn't serve him more. We didn't give him more. Not saying if any of us were wrong, it's just that one of us didn't understand. Like this verse tells us that the idea of desire leads you down to the idea of lust. And once we don't get what we want, we start creating anger and anguish. And once those feelings are started to occur, that leads to things such as hate and conflict. Covetousness leads down to a slippery slope to Covetousness leads down a slippery slope to worse sins in your life. The point of living a life of pleasure and desire is not only that it is a life of conflict, but it is also a fundamentally unsatisfying life. James reminds us here that the great power of prayer and why one may live unnecessarily as an, a spiritual pupper because they do not pray or do not ask when they pray. James even goes in further when he says about selfish prayers, that those with ill intentions or motives, prayers will not be received. There's also a dissatisfaction about being jealous over someone's possessions, about what they have and what you do not have. As we're closing out the Ten Commandments, we looked at Matthew 22:37 through 39. And if we apply what Jesus has asked us, we would love our God with all our heart, all our mind, and all our soul, holding no other gods before him, not create any image about him or any other idols. We would not misuse his name, and we would remember the Sabbath. And for the last greatest commandment, we would love our neighbor as we love ourselves. For we would honor our mother and father as ourselves. We would not murder anyone because we would not murder ourselves. We would not commit adultery for it not only ruins our current relationship, it ruins ourselves. We would not steal from our neighbors because we would not steal from ourselves. We would not try to tarnish other people's reputation because we would not want our reputation tarnished. And we would not covenant our neighbor's property. 
for my next series, I think I'm going to take a shift from Sin for now. I want to stick to the current theme and we're going to move into what society is supposed to look like according to the Bible. The next episode is going to be about the community, then it's going to be about friends, family, spouse, and then your... I just want to say thank you for listening and if you like what you hear, just tell your friends and I'll see you next time. Just want to say thank you for listening. You can contact me at sgodstruth at outlook.com, on Twitter at sgodstruth, or on Facebook at facebook.com slash seekinggodstruth. Thank you, and I hope to see you again.